Imagine the main room of the Sydney Opera House full, and for ten minutes there's one man on stage flicking two pieces of rope with pebbles on their end, and they swish and turn around him at speed, and when they hit the floor they create sounds. He's very skilled, he taps and he dances with them, creating a sort of human helicopter-like image. And he creates music with the movements, both with the air passing through the ropes and the impact on the floor. I don't know the name of that device or instrument. It's similar to the New Zealand boy. What I kept thinking about was that if someone could make a living out of flicking pieces of rope with pebbles around them and enthrall the whole audience of the opera house with it, anyone can do anything, right? People can write books as badly as they want with titles containing double semicolons, create art out of vomit bags, blow music on pieces of glass, do whatever crap they want. This was a show I saw on Friday called Malevo, a gift from a friend. A group of gorgeous Argentinian men who played the drums, tap danced, and used implements to create magic and sounds like a herd of horses galloping through the South American fields. They made my primeval brain take me to a time before the invention of language, to the reason why humans dance to connect with nature, with source, with each other, for war, for expressions of power, for sensuality. They took me to my ancestral roots in the wilds of South America. The sounds, the drums, the longing for a full connection with nature. All that from a man who probably spent days and days, years and years, playing with two ropes with pebbles on their ends. You can decide to do whatever crap you want, as long as it's something that you want, not imitating someone else or because of someone else. As long as it makes you so happy, you forget everything else. You forget you need to eat, to sleep sometimes. You don't need anyone telling you what you have to do. It is part of you. It gets you into the zone, in the flow, in your element. Welcome to Creative Space Mastery Podcast, the show about how to establish a framework to get your creative practice going, bringing consistent creative productivity. I'm Tanya Crivellenti, an author who has been on the storytelling path for 20 years now. Enjoy and in chaos, and I'm able to be productive every week. I invite artists and all types of creators out there to hear about a practical process, metaphors and examples in order to achieve creative space mastery. From the last episodes, we have determined that for us, Creative space is something you establish right now with whatever time you can give it, involving all activities relating to your art. It is recurring, contractual, it is an imperfect process, and it is a protected space for inspiration to come through the middle. In episode 1, we discussed setting a recurring time when you could create. In episode 2, you were to declare to yourself at least, others if possible, what it is that you truly want to the point that you know, bravely declaring your passion. In episode 3, we talked about doing what you will be doing in the time you have set up and doing it seriously, professionally. 
In episode 4, we learn to follow the ducks of inspiration, the voice inside that points you to your true muse, the ideas your creative self authentically wants to follow. In episode 5, we spoke about chaos under management and the ability to ride the lows gracefully. In this chapter, we will talk about having fun doing whatever crap you want to do. You know what makes my day? It is not waking up in the best of moods, super inspired, having the day of heavens, because frankly, that doesn't exist. The saying that you make your life is true. What makes my day is when I wake up terribly, either cranky or sad or totally uninspired, and I'm able, with my own powers and will, to turn myself around. When I'm able to find the resources, the sources of inspiration, the thoughts, the one phrase that will change everything for that day, that is what makes my day. Those worthwhile days. And it happens often enough. When I pray for the heavens, it is often for the one thought that will free me from my anxieties and anguishes, usually the answer to some specific question that is creeping me. Invariably, it comes. What transforms my day 95% of the time is related to my creative art. I'm frequently given a counter-perspective, another way to see things, to breathe freely. When it happens in time to enjoy my day, it's such a gift. The one thought that stops so many people from creating and keep creating is that they need to be really good at this something they're trying to do. When in reality, all they need is to be really good at enjoying this something they're trying to do. As I said before, getting good at enjoying what you're creating is the real art. And that can lead to a lot of success. Quality has nothing to do with it. Ah, how many times I'm able to turn my mood around in a day by listening to my favorite podcast. It's called My Dad Wrote a Porno. And it's the perfect example here. Rocky Flintstone is the pen name of the father of one of the three podcasters who read his books during the show. His writing is so bad, so bad. It's a work of art. It's exquisite. While most people laugh at the podcasters and the frankly unsexy pornography, the blunders of timelines, and all the interesting aspects of the show and the writing, my favorite comic aspects is the grammatical and writing mistakes, the double semicolons on the titles, the characters who changed names because Rocky was drunk when writing a chapter, and the continuity, let's call it discontinuity of the story. The podcast about these terribly written books got me through so many mood switches. They are number one comedy podcast in the UK and other regions, got several podcasting prizes. The trio of podcasters travel around the world with it. Of course, I saw them in Australia with the Writers Festival. And it's my belief that they saved a lot of people's lives during the COVID lockdowns, making them laugh and feel better. They even got a call from an astronaut in space who is a fan of the show and chose them as a mood booster. Rocky, the author, became a sensation, sold a lot of books, made a lot of money without editing one double semicolon because he didn't want to. 
If the writing had been made any better, it would have been no good. The podcasters are three friends having a ball, laughing their heads off and having so much fun with reading the books and talking about their lives with no limits. There is no doubt that they are very skilled at podcasting and that it is professionally done. But Rocky's writing is proof that you can have fun doing whatever crap you want and still there's nothing stopping you from becoming famous. Movies like Rocky Horror Show and The Room, which are considered among the most terrible ever made and yet the longest ever screening, are other proofs of this concept. If someone can sell a lot of books, become famous worldwide and have a named fan club, The Belinkers, without editing one single line, you can do anything you want. The idea here is to have fun and let go of what's coming next. The result is not the focus. A second example of that comes to mind when I think of a time many years ago when two friends and I went to a show of a guy who made music blowing on a flat piece of glass. We were not evolved enough to find the music attractive. Instead, we found that incredibly hilarious. The sounds were a mix of skinning cats with chalk on a board. But all the other attendees to the event were seriously enjoying the presentation. We were not the right target. Remember those times in class when you couldn't laugh? That's what it felt like. We had a lot of fun, oh boy, trying and failing miserably at not laughing there then and laughing for days afterward. Who says that art is designed for one type of reaction only? That the only expected reaction has to be that it has to be taken seriously? I never forgot that presentation, and I think it was one of the most worthwhile ventures of my life. I almost burst from the inside trying not to laugh and I have been laughing at that moment since. People who understand music and the alternative art scene think that his is a fantastic artistic pursuit. No one is going to convince me otherwise. Who knows what the music of the future will sound like? If you want to blow raspberries on a glass for a living, go for it. You can become an international sensation, who knows? If people laugh at you, they're just not the right audience. But they might talk about you in a podcast in true admiration 12 years later because even if they laugh at you, they will never forget you. Who has the last laugh? Being liked is not a requirement. And it has nothing to do with being valued. There are a lot of creators I dislike but admire a lot. Let's forget about validation and remember enjoyment at every point of creation. In this story, we were the ignorant ones. The musician was having fun, doing what he wanted, and he had his crowd of fans. He was being paid to travel and present around the world. Sometimes it's not important if people like what you're doing, only if they feel something from it, if they pay for it, if they want it. There are many other possibilities than just liking it. So forget about being good, being liked.
one of my favorite examples is Fifty Shades of Grey. Funny thing is, I'm not a fan of the writing. I can never use the word murmur again because the characters in the books murmured so much it exhausted the word for me. I'm not a fan of the sensuality in the books either. I wasn't even then when they released the series in the target market. But what E.L. James achieved with her books and series, I'm a true admirer. She created new market niches, expanded the industry for sensual books. She liberated women around the globe with a book about domination, no less, with giving them the option of reading such a book. Not only there are movies of her books, there are movies about people reading her books. I read all the books and saw all the movies, even if they didn't satisfy my sensual needs. I kept reading because it wasn't as bad as to stop an intimate encounter halfway through, but mostly because I have an intellectual admiration for the passion of this author, for what she was doing, her fearlessness. Until that point, no one had done anything like that to such a large scale to mainstream. It was bold, it was beautiful. The story I heard, and I'm not researching it, so take it with a grain of salt. It might be pure fiction, but it inspires me. Is that she loved the Twilight series, the one with the teenage vampires. But I heard again hearsay that that author had a religious background, and that is why those books are so chaste. So E.O. James desired something with a similar vibe, but much raunchier. She couldn't find it anywhere to read it, so she went ahead and wrote what she wanted to read. I don't know if she tried to traditionally publish it before she self-published or not, but it is my opinion that if anyone had taken Fifty Shades to be traditionally published before it was self-published and done an old-style editing, they would have ruined it. The series was lucky to culminate with the advent of the release of the Kindle technology, when people could read it secretly and not show what they were reading. And then what E.L. James did was somehow create a world where it became cool to read Fifty Shades publicly. That's part of her achievements. Imagine that, all that because she wrote something she enjoyed so much. And that's what really works. There's people making art out of garbage cans, vomit bags, bird feathers. You've seen what reality TV made out of TV these days. Quality is not a requirement for anything. Having fun, passion, inspiration, desire, and belief in something is. If you want to blow glass, make cakes in the shape of shoes, dance with the famous cook, live under the deck. If you are neurodivergent or special in any way, nothing is a limit. The only limits you can possibly find is yourself, your resources, or your levels of energy for your projects. Because all soft limits are just that, soft. I dislike watching reality TV, but I love that so much possibility is being embraced by it. 
by showing neurodivergent people dating, pushing the limits of relationships, showing the super abilities of people living with long-term disabilities. And I also love the various shows that highlight people doing things that we don't even know exist sometimes. Like glass blowing, that was something I forgot about, for example. The Paralympics often show the highs that can be achieved with a typical bodies. If someone can publish a book with double semicolons on the title and become world-acclaimed as a genius like Rocky Flintstone did, the sky is the limit. We can do whatever we want without the harsh judgments of the inner critics. Don't let your limiting thoughts put a break on your dreams. Stop you from starting and keep doing something you love because you feel it's no good, because you are comparing it or judging it. Instead, measure the enjoyment you have in creating it in the moment. That's the only important metric. If you are like a duck in a pond, who cares what is produced? Our society is changing so much, thank the heavens, and we are opening up the ways we view and perceive things and parameters around things every minute. What hasn't value one minute may acquire value the very next. Make it so that your creations are valuable for you because you poured into it your essence and love. Art for one isn't always about beauty. Remember, beauty is a tiny thing in the spectrum of human existence. Art can cover any of the other emotions. Cause, reflect, express them. Art and creation have a vast array of other objects other than beauty and perfection. Beauty and perfection are fickle, childish in some instances. Stop stopping yourself for them. I'm talking about them so much because I see and hear them much and much about them in questions people ask me, in the media, in art itself, in, in the critical voice inside my own head. We often have inner critics inside us, frowning upon us, trying to critique what we are doing as we are creating. Remember, the role of a critic or an editor is not to act during the creation. It is not to regulate creation, to tell you what's good and what's bad. Stop the inner editor right there. The inner critical voice is fear speaking, fear of being judged, of being seen, of change. Remember when I started a podcast, this fear is of letting go of the old personas to embrace the new ones. The fear of letting go of being the brain surgeon to become the oyster cultivator. Letting go of being the plumber to become the musician. The dentist becoming the painter, the cop, the inventor, so far so on. The inner critic often wants to regulate what we are doing as we are creating. And they can stop all the flow, all creation in its tracks. Creation in flow, the first draft, the unregulated, free-to-be-bad, brain-dump phase is one of the greatest joys of the creative process. If you can shut the critic off, it feels like being a child again, playing with sticks, glue, colors, paint. doesn't matter what you are doing. It feels free to do whatever crap you want without the need of being good at it.
up to you to do whatever crap you want and have fun doing it. Do everything possible and accept help given. Help given with an open heart and for the right reasons to further you on your creative path. Whatever you are accepting, it's not for you or your ego. It's for the good of the creative world and the ideas and inspiration you're destined to make real. Pay it forward. Creatively, remember you can do anything that is safe and that doesn't hurt anyone, obviously. And in that sense, you can do anything you want, anything that brings you joy. Stop the inner critic inside. The role of an editor or critic is to make something better, to improve on creation after the creation is done, not to stop creativity on its track. Whenever a voice attempts to stop you while you're in flow, send it away seeing that they can only reappear once creation is completed, and only to polish it, to improve it, not to judge it to correct grammatical errors if they must, not to judge its content, for example. In a writing context, that would be the role of an editor, not to stop you from writing. So why is it that the critical voice inside thinks it can butt in and judge everything you're doing? Stop it. Have fun. Enjoy. There is no limit to where this may take you. We are halfway through our season, and you have set up a recurring time to create, declared your passion bravely, dedicated yourself professionally to this time of creation. When you follow your dots of inspiration to know what you want to work on, during which time you manage your chaos wisely, riding the lows gracefully, and now you can master the art of having fun doing whatever crap you want to do. Thank you for listening to Creative Space Mastery Podcast. You will find all about this discussion at creativespacemastery.com and hope to catch you at my next episode. If you like it, give the show some stars, write a review and share it with someone who could enjoy it. See you next time. Ciao!